Chapter 16 of Mildred at Roselands by Martha Finley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Amy. Chapter 16. Muse not that I thus suddenly proceed. For what I will, I will, and there's an end. Shakespeare. There were guests from the neighborhood at both dinner and tea, some of whom remained during the evening. Juliet was unusually gay and sprightly, but to Mildred, who watched her furtively, her unwanted mirthfulness seemed to cover other and deeper feelings. There were signs of agitation, perhaps unnoticed by a casual observer, a nervous tremor, a hectic flush in her cheek, a slight start at some sudden noise, or an unexpected address. She was thrumming on the piano and shrieking out an air from a popular opera at the top of her voice, when at ten o'clock Mildred slipped quietly away to her own room. Merely exchanging her evening dress for a neat dressing gown, Mildred threw herself upon a couch to await Miss Worth's summons, and contrary to her expectations, presently fell into a sound sleep. She was awakened by a touch on the shoulder and started up to find the governess standing by her side. "'Will you come now?' she asked in low, agitated tones. "'It is half-past twelve, and I must start out at once.' "'Yes, I am quite ready,' Mildred answered, and wrapping a shawl about her shoulders, followed the lead of the governess. A window on the landing of the principal staircase, down which Juliet would be likely to pass, was on the same side of the house with the one under which the signal was to be given. There could be no better post of observation, and here Mildred seated herself upon the broad sill, while her companion, parting from her with a whispered word of mingled thanks, caution, and entreaty, glided down the stairs and let herself out at a side door, using extreme caution to make no noise. Then she gained the avenue, and beyond that the road. Here she paused and hesitated. She was not sure from which direction her brother would come, but she must make a choice. She did so and crept onward keeping a narrow footpath that ran parallel with the road and between it and a hedge that enclosed the lawn and adjacent orchard. Left thus alone, Mildred sat still, her heart beating fast with excitement and timidity, for the house was dark and silent almost as the grave. But she bethought herself of him to whom the night shineth at the day, and darkness and light are both alike, and with the thought grew quiet and calm. She was in the path of duty and need fear no evil, because he was with her. Yet the waiting time seemed long. How would it end? If Miss Worth were successful, only in her stealthy return, otherwise probably with a signal, then a struggle between Juliet and herself. She had begun to breathe more freely with the thought that the time for that must have passed, and was straining her ear to catch the faint sound of Miss Worth's approach, when the loud hoot of an owl from the shrubbery beneath the window broke the silence with a suddenness that nearly startled her from her seat, and set her heart to throbbing wildly again. She pressed her hand against her side to still it, while she bent forward, listening intently for some answering sound from above. A moment of utter stillness, then a slight creak, as of a door opened with extreme care, followed by other slight sounds, as though someone were stealing softly down the hall, and Mildred slipped from her perch and back into the shadow of the wall, almost holding her breath for what was to come. The stealthy step drew nearer. Something was gliding past her when, with a quick movement, she stepped before and threw her arms around it a tall, slight figure muffled in a cloak. There was a low, half-stifled cry, then a struggle for release. "'Unhand me!' muttered Juliet in a tone of intense but suppressed fury. "'Is there no limit to your insolent interference?' "'Juliet, it is I,' whispered Mildred, not relaxing her hold in the least. "'I only want to save you from falling a prey to a villain who is after your money, would ruin you to get it, for he already has a wife.' "'I don't believe a word of it. Let me go. Let me go, I say. 
and wrenching herself free, she dealt Mildred a blow that sent her staggering against the wall. But she recovered herself instantly and sprang after Juliet, who was gliding down the stairs toward the lower hall. She caught her as they reached the hall below. Juliet! Juliet, are you mad? she panted. Will you forsake all you love, all that life holds dear for that scoundrel? What business is it of yours? demanded Juliet fiercely, and trying with all her strength to shake her off. I tell you, I will not be prevented by you or anybody. Let go of me, I say, or I will do you a mischief. I will not let you go, returned Mildred. Come back, or I will call aloud and rouse the house. What would have happened, it is impossible to tell, had not help come at that precise moment. A carriage had driven up to the front entrance, the rumble of its wheels sending the cowardly villain in the shrubbery flying to the adjacent woods. The girls, in the excitement of their struggle, had not heard its approach, but the sudden opening of the front door, and the sound of Mr. Dinsmore's step and voice as he entered, accompanied by his body-servant, to whom he was giving some order as to the disposal of his luggage, caused them to loose their hold of each other. Juliet darted up the stairs while Mildred dropped into a chair, her strength completely forsaking her with the withdrawal of the necessity for its exertion. "'Who is here?' demanded Mr. Dinsmore his ear catching the rustle of Juliet's garments, and the sound of Mildred's heavy breathing. "'Solon, strike a light instantly!' "'It is I, uncle,' panted Mildred, bursting into hysterical sobs. "'You, Mildred!' he exclaimed in utter astonishment as he recognized the voice. "'Why, child, what on earth are you doing here at this time of night? All in the dark, too. What has gone wrong? Are you sick?' Solon had struck a match and succeeded in lighting the hall lamp and with Mr. Dinsmore's last question its rays fell full upon Mildred's face, showing it pale, agitated, and with eyes brimming with tears. "'Why, you are as white as a sheet!' he exclaimed, laying his hand affectionately on her shoulder. "'Child, child, what is the matter?' In a few rapid, rather incoherent sentences she gave him an inkling of the state of affairs, to which he returned a volley of questions, and without waiting for an answer to any of them. "'Out into the shrubbery, Solon,' he commanded. "'Call Ajax and Pomp to help. "'Catch the rascal if you can and bring him to me.' "'Then to Mildred, repeating his queries, "'Where is Juliet?' he asked. "'Where is Miss Worth? "'How does she come to know about the villain "'or his plot to carry off Juliet? "'What is he to her?' "'I don't know, sir, what he is to her,' said Mildred. "'But she says she has known him all his life, "'and a letter she received today told her of his marriage, "'that he has a living wife.' "'He has? The scoundrel!' cried her listener. Yes, sir, and of course on learning that, Miss Worth was more than ever determined to frustrate his plans. Well, what more, and where is this precious fool of a Juliet? I wish all girls were blessed with your common sense, child. She ran upstairs as you came in, sir. And may have come down by the back stairway, and made off with the rascal after all, he exclaimed in alarm. Run up to her room, Millie, and see if she is there, while I look about below here. Mildred went at once, though she would much rather have been excused, for the errand was no pleasant one. She was very reluctant to meet Juliet again at that moment, but fortunately was spared the necessity, as, on nearing the door of Juliet's sleeping-room, she distinctly heard her voice in conversation with Reba. She hurried down again with her report, which her uncle received with grim satisfaction. "'That is well,' he said. "'Now I'll join in the search for the scoundrel, and I promise you that if we catch him he'll not get away unhurt. But where is Miss Worth, child? You have not answered that question yet.' As he spoke, a side door opened, and a tall, black-robed figure glided in. "'Miss Worth!' he exclaimed, catching sight of her face. "'Yes,' she said in a hoarse whisper, leaning back against the wall and looking ready to faint. "'You are ill,' he said. 
Let me help you into the library and give you a glass of wine. She hardly seemed to hear him. Her eyes were fixed in eager, terrified questioning upon Mildred's face. Juliet is in her room, the latter hastened to say. Thank God for that, she said in quivering tones. And he is gone, I suppose. No one has seen him as far as I know. At that moment, one of the men put his head in at the door. Can't find the rascal, massa. Reckon he done gone clar off to place. Quite likely, but as he may return, you are to be on the watch until sunrise, was the reply. You didn't meet him? Mildred asked, drawing near the governess and speaking in an undertone. No, I must have taken the wrong road. Mr. Dinsmore, I owe you an explanation. Shall it be given now? The voice was very low, very tremulous, but the sad eyes were lifted unflinchingly to his stern face. As you please, he said, his features softening a little at sight of her distress. You look hardly able to make it now, and some hours later we'll answer just as well. Indeed, I think we would all do well to go to our beds as soon as possible. But stay a moment. He stepped into the dining room and returned with a glass of wine, which he offered to the governess, saying, You look ready to faint. Drink this. It will do you good. No, no, never, she cried, shuddering and recoiling as from a serpent. It has been the ruin of those I love best. Very well, he said coldly. Mildred, will you take it? No, thank you, uncle. I do not need it, and would rather not, the young girl answered pleasantly. Silly girl, he said, draining the glass himself. Well, good night, ladies, or rather, good morning. Miss Worth, I will see you in the library directly after breakfast. So saying, he left them. What a blessing that it has turned out so well, Mildred said to her companion. Has it? queried the governess, in a bewildered tone and putting her hand to her head. I feel as though the earth were reeling beneath my feet. I cannot think. Let me help you to your room. A few hours' rest will make all right again with you, I trust, Mildred said compassionately. Don't allow yourself to feel anxious or distressed, she went on as she assisted her up the stairs. I am sure Uncle will not be hard with you when he learns how free from blame you are. Juliet has been saved, and he seems to have escaped, and will not be likely to try it again. Ah, oh, if I could have met and warned him, sighed the governess. Surely it is better as it is, since he has got away without— reasoned Mildred, for might he not have been angry and abusive? True, too true, she murmured, catching at the balusters to keep from falling. Yes, it is better so, but my brain reels, and I cannot think. Mildred was alarmed. What can I do for you? she asked. Nothing, nothing, but help me to my bed, thank you. I shall be better when I have slept off this horrible fatigue and weakness. Oh, such a tramp and weary waiting as it was, out in the cold and darkness on the lonely road. She gasped shudderingly as she sank down upon her bed. It seemed as if I should drop down and die before I could get back to the house. And my terror for him, that was the worst of all. I don't think he deserves your love and care for him, Mildred said, her indignation waxing hot against the worthless villain. Perhaps not, she sighed, but he loved me once and he was a noble fellow then. And I, ah, he told me I had helped to ruin him. But it wasn't true. Mildred said in a tone of indignant inquiry. Miss Worth did not seem to hear. I shall do now, she said presently, and you need rest. Do go to your bed, Miss Mildred. Perhaps I shall sleep if left alone. Perceiving that she could be of no further assistance, Mildred went not unwillingly, for she too was quite worn out with fatigue and excitement. It was eight o'clock when she woke, but she was ready for the summons to breakfast, which was not served that morning until near nine. Juliet did not make an appearance at the meal. She was indisposed, Reba reported, and would take a cup of tea in her own room. The best place for her, commented Mr. Dinsmore shortly. What do you mean by 
queried his wife, who had heard nothing of the occurrences of the past night. "'Just what I say, and I hope she will have the grace to stay there till her father comes for her, as I requested him to do by this morning's mail.' "'Mr. Dinsmore, will you explain yourself?' exclaimed his wife in a tone of exasperation. "'It would not require many words,' he answered dryly. "'She would have eloped with another woman's husband last night if she had not been hindered.' "'Another woman's husband!' echoed Reba in astonishment and dismay. "'I did not know it was so bad as that.' "'Dreadful! Impossible!' cried Mrs. Dinsmore, dropping her knife and fork and bursting into tears. "'Don't tell me a niece of mine could do such a thing as that. Mr. Dinsmore, it's a cruel joke.' "'No joke at all,' he said, but the simple, unvarnished truth, though of course she refused to believe that the man was married. "'And who is the wretch?' cried his wife, grinding her teeth. "'If you'd been a man, you'd have shot him down.' "'I'm no murderer, madam,' was the biting retort. "'And in my opinion, a cow-hiding would much better befit so cowardly a scoundrel. I should have administered that with hearty good will, could I have laid hands on him.' "'I wish you had!' she exclaimed with passionate vehemence. "'I'm glad you wrote for Mr. Marston, and I hope he will come at once and take that shameful girl away before she does anything more to bring disgrace on the family. Reba, why did you let her do so? I, Aunt Belle, I'm not in her confidence, and was as ignorant and innocent as yourself in regard to the whole thing. Who did hinder her? Am I not to hear the whole story? demanded Mrs. Dinsmore, turning to her spouse again. I presume it will all be unfolded to you in time, was the cool reply. I've not heard it fully myself yet. Mildred here, and he looked pleasantly at her knows more about it than I do, and to her, I believe, our thanks are due for preventing the mischief. To Miss Worth, uncle, much more than to me, Mildred said, blushing and feeling decidedly uncomfortable under the surprised, scrutinizing glances of her aunt and Reba. It was she who found it all out, tried to persuade Juliet to give it up, and when she failed in that, told me— Told you! interrupted Mrs. Dinsmore with indignation. Why did she not come to me instead? I was the proper person by all odds. Mildred was at a loss for a reply that should not damage the cause of the governess, but Mr. Dinsmore came to her relief. "'I presume, my dear, it was to save you from the mortification of hearing of your niece's contemplated folly, and her from that of having you made acquainted with it.'" End of chapter 16 Recording by Amy